0: Shelby Houlihan, the American record holder in the 1,500 and 5,000 meters, posted on social media that she has been banned for four years following a positive test from the Athletics Integrity Unit. They notified her that the drug testing sample returned a finding for anabolic steroid Nandrolone. And she has since learned that it's uh, long understood by the World Anti-Doping Agency that eating pork can lead to a false positive of nandrolone since certain types of pigs produce it naturally in high amounts. Pig organ meat has the highest levels of nandrolone so she believes that she tested positive because of a tainted pork burrito so the next time you test positive for anabolic steroids especially uh nandrolone you need to realize that it probably was from the tainted pork burrito that you ate she made a list of all the food she ate leading up to the December 15th test that produced the adverse analytical finding for the anabolic steroid. We concluded that the most likely explanation was a burrito. Look, listen, I purchased and consumed it approximately 10 hours before that drug test from the authentic Mexican food truck that serves pig pork burritos near my house in Beaverton, Oregon. And I notified the AIU that I believed this was the source. Eh, yes, yeah, so what? Uh, we don't accept your explanation and uh, you're banned from the sport for four years. Now, she set the American 1500-meter record for three minutes, 54.99 seconds at the World Championships in Qatar. And uh, last July, she broke the U.S. 5,000-meter mark with her time of 14 minutes, 23. No. 5,000-meter mark, 14 minutes, 23 seconds, and 0.92 seconds in Portland, Oregon. I want to be very clear. I've never taken any performance-enhancing substances. That includes that of which I am being accused. I believe in the sport and pushing your body to live. Who doesn't believe in running those races like that, those 1,500 and 5,000-meter races? Um, I don't do this for the accolades. Well, clearly, you do maybe not for the money or the people to know my name i do this because i love it i have so much fun doing it and it's always the best part of my day yes i know and it's the best part of your day because now you can't do it because you tested positive for anabolic steroids and you claim that it was from pig organ meat now it's probably true She's a runner, and if you look at her picture, you know, she looks like the athlete that would run the 1,500 and 5,000 meter races. But everything we've had happen to us about animals and humans testing positive, and then they want us to believe that it was because of something that it wasn't, and then we find out that, oh, you know what? Yeah, you know, it was. It's really hard to believe that you test positive from eating a pork burrito. Maybe that's just me. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Well, I see where Mackenzie Scott, you know her, you love her, one of the richest women in the world, and her husband, Dan Jewett, remember him, the school teacher, donated another $2.74 billion to organizations that focus on the arts, and combating racial discrimination. Right, it's important that we take care of that. She uh, claimed that uh, she donated to 286 organizations, which are high-impact organizations in categories and communities that have been historically underfunded and overlooked. The list includes the Racial Equity and Journalism Fund, the Asian American Federation, the Emerging LGBTQ Leaders of Color Fund, and the National Equity Project. In her blog post, she said she wants to de emphasize privileged voices and cede focus to others. People struggling against inequities deserve center stage and stories about change they are creating. Me, Dan, a constellation of researchers and administrators and advisors, we are all attempting to give away a fortune that was enabled by systems in need of change. Oh, that is so special. Now, she's given away more than $8.5 billion in donations in less than a year. Wow. I mean, just wow. I know when she got the divorce, right? She was worth, I don't know, 40 some billion or something like that, which I thought was a little undervalued. And now she's worth, you know, I don't know, $60 billion or something like that. And then she got married to the school teacher. What a good gig for him, man. I'm in love with Mackenzie too. No, really I am. But I think that we need to perhaps come up with our own, I don't know, group organization that we can claim that we really want to impact uh, organizations. We want high-impact organizations, just for Mackenzie. I know you want to you know, give away your money. <laughs> I know that's part of your deal now. <laughs> yeah. You really, it's important for you to give away all of your money with your pledge that you did your, uh, oh, what's the stupid, the giving, I didn't, did I didn't say it was stupid? No, it's not stupid. I am sorry. It's not stupid. It's important. It's the giving pledge a campaign created by Bill Gates, Warren Buffett and Melinda Gates that encourages extremely wealthy people to contribute a majority of their wealth to philanthropic causes and if anyone if anyone or any entity was a philanthropic cause it's me jeff fisher from chewing the fat so please Mackenzie, feel free to donate some of that money to me i'll share it i promise i will i'll make sure that it's used to be part of Uh, communities, communities and high-impact organizations. And I'll get right out there because you know how important the Racial Equity and Journalism Fund is and the Asian American Federation and the Emerging LGBTQ Leaders of Color Fund and the National Equity Project. I'm right up there. I mean, I should be listed. Chewing the fat should be. (laughs) I mean... If you need some money, man, come up with a a group or project that is taking care of people like racial equity and journalism and Asian-Americans and LGBTQ leaders that are of color fund and the National Equity Project, and you'll get some cash from Mackenzie because she needs to give it all away. And she's doing that. Good for her. Bless her heart. Good news coming out of Texas. Uh, no, they haven't said that we can turn our thermostats back down to being cold again. We still have to keep it up to 78 or higher and unplug those electronics that we don't use to save energy. But Texas Central, the developers behind the proposed high-speed rail project between Dallas and Houston, is one step closer to groundbreaking. The officials have announced that Uh, They have signed a $16 billion contract with WeBuild, which is a global engineering and construction company, to lead the civil construction team that will build the train. Yes! Yay! Now, according to the news release, WeBuild has constructed... 8500 miles of railway and metro infrastructure in australia europe asia and the americas the company has operated in u.s markets since the 80s and expanded its presence in 2016 through a merger with the lane construction corporation of course their goal is to put together a team of the best players in the world from each industry needed to bring this project to life in addition we build helps st- to accomplish this goal said uh, texas central ceo carlos aguilar in the statement we will execute the heavy construction of the project including the design and build of all 236 miles of the alignment about half of which will be on a viaduct so we're going to have that high speed route whenever you fly into dfw you can hop on the high speed rail and zip into houston or you could just fly to houston and be there and then you could hop on the high speed rail and come back to dallas and fly out and be it's interesting to me that we still want this high speed rail going on am i a fan of the railroad yes i love the railroads life in the train age baby that's me i'm a fan but i just can't believe that we're spending this billions of dollars on this train to go from dallas to houston and or houston to Dallas in 90 minutes. And, you know, just to travel 200 miles, sure. Will it be fun to do once or twice? I guess. Uh, you know, but what's it to have it be a viable mode of transportation? I mean, we like our cars, uh, especially in Texas. And when I get to Houston, what am I going to do? Or when you get to Dallas from Houston, what are you going to do? Now, maybe that's a business opportunity there. Maybe you become the high speed rail taxi service. And if you want to visit the Houston and or Dallas area, you can take chewing the fat rent-a-car and we'll drive you around DFW and show you around and take you to a restaurant and drop you off and come back and pick you up and drive you around some more. And then we'll take you back to the train station and you're hop on the train and head back to either Dallas or Houston. And, you know, be sure to pay for the chewing the fat rent a car, or you could drive yourself and just be in your own car. I'm not sure why we're thinking this is such a big deal but it is and we love the rail services here in america and with this administration loving the rail service uh it's going to get bigger and bigger i see where amtrak has relaunched its usa rail pass that gets you a ticket to travel the country for 30 days for 299 dollars. yay just in time for a boom in summer travel now, the ticket allows buyers to book 10 trips over 30 days for the flat fee. It normally costs $499, but we're discounting it to $299 through June 22nd. So if you're listening live today, which is the 16th of June 2021, you still have a few days to pick up your Amtrak rail pass the usa rail pass for 299 dollars yay we're expecting a big boom and i don't see where it's that big a deal but so for 299 bucks you get to let's see the rail pass is good for only coach seats, it doesn't let passengers book premium accommodations like sleeper cabins or first-class seats. Still uh, $30 a segment. The pass offers massive discounts given that one segment can cost $100. Yeah, 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 yeah. So buyers have 120 days to book trips using their USA Rail Pass after purchasing it. And then it's uh, they have 30 days from the day of their first trip to use up the 10 segments so you buy the pass for $299 you have 120 days to book trips using the rail pass and then once you use it you have to you have right then then you have 30 days to travel the 10 segments so you better have a month I mean you better get your ticket and then decide what month you're going to travel in take that month off And hop the rails and ride Amtrak around the country on your USA Rail Pass. Man, does that sound like fun, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, it does. Go ahead, tell me it doesn't sound like fun. Yeah, you can't. You can't because it does. I know. I know it does. I mean, to tell you, I I mean, I'd love it would be fun if you had the opportunity to do it. And it might actually save you some money. If you were to travel with a family and you each buy the rail pass for 300 bucks and you travel to one destination and travel back, it may be cheaper to do that and not use you know all 10 trips, but just use it for the one big trip and it might end up saving you some money. That way, if you were actually going to use it to travel with, I guess. But you know, there's another way that you could travel the country and that would be... In your own vehicle it's just a thought it's just a thought from me hey let's go to the break room i need something cold to drink desperately oh, that is so cool. you know we've talked before about the fine line between restaurants and humans and how we kind of feel like we don't want to know just don't tell me you spit on my food just just do it and i don't you know i don't care i mean obviously you do but you just don't want to know right so i'm reading this story i see the headline two fort worth restaurants close after inspectors find serious health violations now i know this is obviously about fort worth and it's part of the you know star telegram which is a local website newspaper whatever but uh This happens all over the country, all over the world, and they have these health code violations. And I'm reading about what those violations are, and it's not good. It's not pretty. Now they talk about the two restaurants that were closed, and they talk about their scoring for how it happens that they close. Now apparently these restaurants are back open again, so they corrected some of the issues to get back open. It talks about the they need 30 plus violations. Before they get closed down, to uh, then they have to make immediate corrections. Right. So, two restaurants were shut down, and they, between June 5th and June 12th, Of this year and then they were back open according to this article they talked to employees at both restaurants and said they were back open so if you get closed down they give you so much time to address the serious health violations and then you're able to uh you know if you pass then you can you know obviously open back up again so they score it with a 30 right so if you uh scored a 30 uh, on your inspection then uh you're they're shutting you down and they show a couple of restaurants that uh you know scored a 26 a 27 to me that's getting <laughs> that's getting pretty close uh it's getting uh i don't want i don't want to know and so these other restaurants that came close to closing down they both had notes from the inspectors that black organic matter in the ice machine oh no thank you i don't want to know about black organic matter inside the ice machine what i want is for someone to clean the ice machine and not put your nasty hands in the ice machine Please, that would be nice. They noticed improperly stored food, food not protected from contamination, unclean food contact surfaces, and damage to food contact surfaces were some of the violations, um, food in the re- in the reach in cooler with no label, uh, you know, improper use of hand washing sinks, household crock pots in use to prepare food. Uh, okay, yeah, some of those you can kind of think, well those are technical violations, but you know, big whoop. It's fine. You're at some restaurant, the sushi restaurant and they're using, you know, four or five crock pots to make rice instead of some industrial rice maker. Eh, okay, I can I can let that one go obviously, you know, or I'm not paying the the health inspectors enough money so they're going to bitch about that. I'm not saying they're on the take. That was just a little joke. <laughs> but it's the black organic matter in the ice machine that really, I don't know why that bugs me, but it just does, man. I, I do not want to know that. Now, there was one place that didn't scored the top no-code violations. It was great, and I was reading this to my wife, and she's like, yeah, I love that place. It's the uh, place called Stop and Go Gyro's. And uh, they noted there were no health, co- health code violations. And my wife was like, yeah, that place is good. So maybe you find a place that's good and you know that they're keeping the place clean and not allowing black organic matter inside the ice machine. Because I cannot I cannot stand for that. I don't want to know. But if I know, if I know if i were to go to one of the if i used to go to one of these particular restaurants as mentioned in this story and know that now they had black organic matter in the ice machine oh yeah no thank you i am going to another place i promise you that so i mentioned uh what's today i don't even know i've done so many shows now i'm i'm lost Uh, If you listen to the Blaze television and radio network along with listening to this show on the Blaze podcast network, Chewing the Fat, you know, you know, Wednesdays I do a Chewing the Fat segment on Pat Gray Unleashed and then I stick around for the rest of the show Well, Pat and I are doing Glenn Beck's radio show. Uh, We did it today and we're doing it tomorrow and Friday. For those of you again listening live today is Wednesday, the 16th of June, so the 17th and 18th of june we are doing the glenn beck program plus you know pat unleashed and i get stories and everything kind of mushes together but i know i think it's monday that we talked about uh in the heights the movie that is now streaming on hbo max and in the theaters and my daughter you know is a big lin-manuel miranda fan and specifically because of uh hamilton but uh, you know he did this um in the Heights and it's based on the, you know, Washington Heights neighborhood in New York where Miranda grew up. And I told you that I think every, uh, every Spanish Puerto Rican Mexican star in the world was in this movie. And that still wasn't enough because now Lin-Manuel Miranda is uh, saying that, uh, well, he's issued an apology. An issued apology for colorism after critics attacked his new musical in the heights for not featuring more diverse actors. What are you kidding me? This movie is nothing but diverse. It's just incredible. Uh, Miranda said, I started writing in the heights because I didn't feel seen. And over the past 20 years, all I wanted was for us all of us to feel seen I'm seeing the discussion around Afro-Latino representation in our film this weekend and it was clear that many in our dark-skinned Afro-Latino community don't feel sufficiently represented uh, particularly among the leading roles oh you gotta be kidding me Lynn what are you doing It says here, I can hear the hurt and frustration over colorism, over feeling unseen in the feedback. I hear that without sufficient dark-skinned Afro-Latino representation, the work feels extractive of the community we wanted so much to represent with pride and joy. Miranda noted that he is truly sorry and is learning from the feedback. I thank you for raising it. And I'm listening I'm trying to hold space for both the incredible pride in the movie we made and be uh, accountable for our shortcomings. Thanks for your honest feedback. I promise to do better in my future projects and I'm dedicated to learning and evolving. We all have to do to make sure we are honoring our diverse and vibrant community. Lynn, you can apologize all you want, but the movie wasn't that good. Maybe you apologize for that. I know you're proud of your work and you think you're going to get a lot more and you probably will because you're Lin-Manuel Miranda and you created Hamilton. So now everything you create is supposed to be great, but the movie really wasn't that good. Uh, it was a musical based on the play in the Heights, but it was more of a play than a movie, but it was filmed like a movie. And when you want to talk about, uh, colorism, I told you. Every Latino, Spanish American, Spanish Brazilian, Puerto Rican, whatever, whatever Spanish-speaking star you were, were you in, were in that movie? You were in the movie. I don't understand what the problem is. I really don't. It's unbelievable. The only thing is, is that they realized that it really wasn't that good, and fans didn't like it. They had all these great projections, all the, all the woke audience was, this movie was going to be huge and it was just going to light the theaters on fire and everything was going to be beautiful, Uh -uh, wrong, uh, nobody went to see it. Okay. And maybe, maybe the numbers would have been better. Had it not been up on HBO max at the same time. I don't know that, uh, I'm just, you know, I watched it on HBO max. Would I have gone to see it in the theaters? Yeah, probably because of my daughter. But I wouldn't, you know, I'm only going to see it once. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, HBO Max, for allowing me to watch it in my home and not having to go sit through that thing in the theater. Thank you. Plenty of news in the animal world. Uh, we'll start with the Fresh Pet Incorporated announcing a recall of a single lot of Fresh Pet Select Small Dog Bite Size Beef and Egg Recipe Dog Food, one-pound bags, with the sell date ten thirty twenty twenty-one, due to a potential contamination with Salmonella. Yes. Now listen. What happened was is the Fresh Pet team has designated this single lot for destruction. And, oh, man, we shipped it out. Gosh darn it. How many times? <laughs> so we were supposed to throw the... No, you shipped that out? Yeah, we, we just put it on the truck. We shipped it out. What? Yeah, sorry. We weren't supposed to do that. So limited geographic markets between June 7th and June 10th of this year... Uh, got these particular bags of dog food and uh, yeah, they weren't supposed to. We were supposed to throw them away. I don't know what happened. One thing led to another and it ended up on a truck that was going to the stores. So, you know, if your dog gets salmonella, sorry. We didn't mean it. We're We're recalling it now. So, okay. We're sorry. Right now, they've received no reports of illness or injury or adverse reaction But, uh, you know, we've we're sorry we recalled it. You've got our deep commitment to safety and, uh, you know, of our pet parents and their dogs. We're sorry. A limited number of impacted products may have been sold at Publix in Florida, South Carolina and Georgia. Yeah. Limited target locations in Arizona and Southern California. Most of the product, though, we we got we've we intercepted it. At the retailer distribution warehouses, and it wasn't even delivered to the retail store. So most of it we got. Some of it got out, and we're sorry that Bill from shipping threw it on the truck. <laughs> you 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 just you just threw that lot in. Yeah, I figured it was I was on the pallets, ready to go. I, mean, I don't know what you what you want from me. Is was, was ready to go? I mean that's a big lot. That you just put on the ship or put on the trucks to ship out. I'll tell you that. (laughs) So if you if you got some fresh pet, select small dog bite-sized beef and egg recipe dog food, the one-pound bags, you need to bring it back in for a refund. Or there's a link on their website that you can get a refund. Or you can, you know, just throw it away, but don't let your dogs eat it. Okay? We're sorry. Bill shouldn't have put it on the trucks to ship out. The one hundred and forty-fifth Westminster Kennel Club dog show just happened. I didn't even know what was going on. I love the dog show. So it went on and it was on Sunday night. Now that's why I didn't know. I mean, Sunday night, we've got Walking Dead, and it was the season finale of Fear the Walking Dead, and the new Talking Walking Dead podcast is up. If you're not aware, uh, so you can give that a listen. That's with Jason Buttrill and my son Maximus. We had the uh, final uh, season uh, season six, episode sixteen of Fear the Walking Dead took place this week, so I was watching that. We had the season finale of Gangs of London on Sunday night, which was awesome. That show, really, man. There is that's a big guy show. There's a lot of violence. A lot of blood, but it's very I love, it's a great show. if you can handle you know drugs and violence and sex, all the good stuff. <laughs> all the big guy stuff. I recommend watching Gangs of London on AMC, or you can catch it at any time, AMC plus. Uh, but anyway, that's why I didn't catch the Westminster Kennel Club dog show on Sunday night, but uh, Wasabi. A 13-and-a-half-pound Pekingese with a flowing lion's mane of a coat and a serious family history, boldly rose above six worthy competitors, even though he's not even nine inches tall. Wasabi is a three-year-old from east berlin pennsylvania he took home the most coveted prize in dogdom capturing best in show at the 145th edition of the nation's most renowned dog show and one that was unlike any of its 144 predecessors yeah i don't even think was anybody there um i doubt they even had a crowd right it wasn't at the garden, but Westminster on Hudson had come off. Oh, that's right—they built a big, a big thing outside to bring the dogs in. It wasn't even at the. Oh, that's. Red. I mean, it was wonderful that they did that because of COVID, and you know, it was perfect. So good for them, and we just love to be a part of it. I mean, I wouldn't want to have it in, you know, in the city. And they they had it in some park set up with a tent. And it was just beautiful. Yeah, did I mean? Yeah, it was beautiful. So it was since 1877. It's the second oldest continuously running sport event in the United States. The Kentucky Derby is first. It's usually held in Madison Square Garden. But because of the pandemic protocol problems, show executives opted to push it back from February until June and get it out of midtown Manhattan and go 25 miles up the Hudson River to the idyllic grounds of Lyndhurst, a 19th century Gothic mansion. Oh, yes, that's right. So, wow, it was just beautiful. Man, I wish I would have seen that. Uh, I wish I would have known. I would have recorded it and watched it later, and I actually probably would have done that. But uh, anyway, congratulations to what's the stupid wass- wasabi, the three year old Pekingese from East Berlin, Pennsylvania. Congratulations. And we're at it again. A uh, pizza joint in Ohio has decided that they're going to make cicada pizzas. And I say it like that because I don't like it. And stop it. Cicada pizzas. So a pizza joint in Dayton, Ohio is, you know, of course getting some national buzz because of its cicada topped pizza. It's 18-inch hand-tossed dough with sriracha sauce, mozzarella, and provolone, blanched and sautéed locally forged cicadas, mushrooms, cabbage, green onion, mango, cilantro, and a spicy Thai sauce after the bake, and a cicada wing adorned the crust. Man, do I want that pizza. How good does that sound? Oh, uh, man, you, you, you got me with cabbage and green onion and mango, and then the cilantro with the spicy Thai sauce, and then you look at the locally forged sautéed cicadas along with some mozzarella and provolone, along with some sriracha sauce. Oh, man, now you're talking about a pizza from me. And I know that some of the opinions at the pizza joint ranged from absolutely delicious to well uh yeah <laughs> they're lucky they got that because they wouldn't have got that from me i'll tell you that it would have been i would not have tried it uh maybe i would have i don't know it does not sound good at all it sounds ugh, yuck and i know we're supposed to be all about the brood cicadas and they're flying all around looking for business and we've talked about the the guy that got into a car accident because the cicada flew into his car it'd be a good time to drive with your windows closed that's just a helpful hint from me and chewing the fat perhaps if you're in a brood x zone you drive with your windows up because nobody wants those things flying into your car but if it does i'm a little confused how it you know forces you into an accident but i guess you get spooked and you try to get it out of your car, and maybe the cicada is trying to attack you because it thinks you're a giant cicada and it wants to have, you know, cicada business with you. So, you know, it starts attacking you, and then you hit a pole and smash your car. But people, more and more people are trying to get me to eat cicadas, and I say no, no, no to cicadas. Say no to bugs. In fact, just say no to bugs. That's a. That's a that's a good helpful hint, and that could be my new saying and new phrase that I stand by 100%. Just say no to bugs. The U.S. economy is currently experiencing the highest rate of workers quitting their jobs that we've seen in the last two decades. It suggests workers are confident about their ability to find better paying or more appropriate employment somewhere else. But if that's the case, why aren't we seeing faster reductions in long-term unemployment or more people re-entering the labor force? Yeah, riddle be that, will ya? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i mean i think we have a pretty good idea why that is happening but it also leads into a new study that claims the average age of u.s cars are uh, 12.1 years so according to a new research from ihs market m-a-r-k-i-t over the past year the average rose from 11.9 years in 2019 and now two two decades ago the average age of a u.s car on the road was just 9.6 years so the average age of a car on the road is 12.1 years old that's interesting because that kind of leads into my economic indicator a little bit now they're talking about um you know the driving one of the driving factors the pandemic was one of the big driving factors, and work from home policies meant fewer people were driving, which meant fewer new vehicles were being purchased, and those numbers, you know, started to rise again uh, in the latter half of last year, 2020. Um, you know, their research showed that there was 13 percent reduction in vehicle miles traveled between 2019 and 2020. That uh, those two factors combined with an increase in vehicle scrappage. Uh, Cars leaving the active population pushed the average age north of 12 years, which strays from the norm, according to them, as an increase in vehicles leaving the general population would traditionally lower the average age of a car on the road. You'd be buying a new car, getting rid of that older car. And they're saying electric vehicles will hopefully boost the average vehicle. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Right now, they claim there's approximately 1 million electric cars on U.S. roads. And the average age of that is 3.9 years, a number that's held pretty steady since 2016. Yeah, the same million uh, people want their electric cars. They're saying once more electric cars are registered, uh, once more used electric cars start landing on lots, average ages are expected to rise. We'll see. Uh, You know, my economic indicator it goes along with the uh, average age of cars on the road getting older is that on top of that you have the average age of cars on the road getting older my economic indicator is broken down cars along the road uh you see the economy is starting to get worse when you see more and more cars breaking down along the road to me that says that people aren't doing as well as they were and they're putting off routine maintenance on their vehicles so it breaks down and you know they're waiting for something they're you know they're they don't have the money uh or they do they don't want to spend the money on routine maintenance so it breaks down and then you got to get it towed and get it fixed and you know that's your car right i mean that's the old the old sign at the uh at the the workshops the best used car you can have is the one you have right now so you know you got to go with that but just i i just kind of feel like uh, we're starting to see a little downturn in the economy and i hope it turns around i hope it turns around i hope that less cars uh break down along the side of the road so that my economic indicator jeff fisher chewing the fat economic indicator doesn't Uh, show that the economy is getting worse but i will say just keep an eye out along your roads and byways because when you start seeing more cars breaking down things are getting tougher i know you can quote me on that don't you worry about it and i was threatened that i had to do this story in chewing the fat or uh, a person was going to stop listening to the show so i mean i don't want that I don't want I think his name was Connor, if I remember correctly. Calvin, not Connor. Calvin. Sorry, I, I messed that up for a little bit. Now, normally, I joked around a little bit on my Chewing the Fat segment during Pat Unleashed this morning that, uh, you know, I don't negotiate with terrorists. But uh, the story is interesting, and it is a, a Fisher, uh, a Fisher, Jeff Fisher, Chewing the Fat story. No question about it. So a lady is on the beach in Florida and she is doing her job her job is as a wildlife manager is to get on the beach and do a sea turtle nesting survey and lord knows we need surveys on nesting sea turtles in Florida we all we all care about the sea turtles along the beaches I know truthfully we really do So, this wildlife manager, uh, her name is uh, Angie Chambers, is, uh, you know, walking along the beach doing her nesting survey. And she stumbles across a package. And she says, ooh, that's kind of weird. I wonder, it's a package wrapped tightly in plastic and tape. And I thought it could be drugs. So, you know, while I called, I called the... 45th civil engineer squadron and i said hey i think i found something out here maybe you ought to send somebody out and then she walks along the beach a little bit more she's waiting for them and there's some more and then there's some more and you know what hey there's some more and she said at one point she counted at least 18 packages in in all at the end it was documented there were 24 packages that they placed in the evidence bags and they uh, called the brevard county sheriff's office the narcotics agent and they performed a field test on one of the packages and verified yes it was cocaine now i i frown upon these stories because why do we know about them we know about them because someone turned it in now if you're walking along the beach and you see a package that may be a brick of cocaine do you a call the authorities b put it in your backpack like you didn't see anything and keep on walking (laughs) and nobody knows about it right i know that's where i'm at with it i mean all these packages and even if she doesn't pick them all up say she and this is what she, this is what uh this is a jeff fisher plan right here for you right okay? so you find she found 18 of them there were 24 in total after the authorities got there but she found 18 of them so even if she called and said hey uh i think i found something out here i mean you kind of stuff a few into your bag right i mean it's 1.2 million dollars worth of cocaine so you kind of stuff a brick or two into your bag just to, you know, have a little extra spending cash in your life. Right? I know. I know. You're shaking your head like, no, you have to call the authorities. No, I'm saying call the authorities, but you take a couple for yourself, too. You have to. But I give this lady a little bit of a, of a, of a break. Because it was right there on Cape Canaveral Space Force Station Beach. And, you know, it's military. So, and I think that she was actually military as well with the 45th Civil Engineer Squadron. And I know that she was part of that Security Forces Squadron there at uh, the, the Air Force Base at Cape Canaveral. So, you know... I'll give her a break. I'll give her a little bit of a break for turning it in this time. But if Angie is, uh, you know, not worried about groceries in a year or two, you know that uh, perhaps there were more than 24 packages that washed up on the shore and Angie did do a Jeff Fisher plan and deep pocket a couple of those. So I'm, you know, I, I I I'm happy for Angie for turning turning the b- the bricks in, but I would keep an eye on her for at least a couple years to make sure she didn't deep pocket any of those. Because if I was doing that, probably would happen. Although I don't know that I would call the authorities. I would just pick up a few and keep walking and not call the authorities because then somebody else could call the authorities and if they come and talk to you you could say yeah i was out there i didn't see anything i don't know what you're talking about have a nice day